You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 248 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands-On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we get to talk about the beauty of horses, their minds, and bodies in form and function. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings. How's Debbie? I'm good. I'm really good. This is such a beautiful episode. I'm so excited to share this with you and the listeners and everything. Um, so what did you think when you were listening to it, though? You were a mouse on the wall. I didn't. I was a mouse on the wall. This is very interesting because our guest is not a horse guy, not a horse trainer. He's not even a horse guy. He's an yeah. artist. Yeah. But his insight into the equine psyche is really interesting. Isn't that fun? Because he, yeah. So Roberto Tetesco, we will be hearing from him. And he he sits down with Monty, which is the behaviorist, which is really interesting. So you'll get to hear why these horses that have been marooned for generations. I mean, he said 500 years uh, on this island is spit. Really, it's a sand spit. It's really not even an island. And he gets to observe how they react with a human. And there's nothing else on the island. I don't want to spoil it, but no, they, no spoilers. No spoilers. I, I, no spoilers. But to hear dad just listening to this guy, he, I mean, I didn't tell dad a whole lot about it because we were fortunate in the fall in November of 2023, I met up with Jamie and mom and dad and I flew out to New York to go to the premiere of the queen, the cowboy and the queen. And that was a documentary that was premiered there. And it's actually coming to Santa Barbara in February. So as we speak, this is almost February. And we are going to be seeing it at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. It's getting rave reviews, by the way, which is fun. It's people's choice, but it's a documentary. Remember, it's not a movie, but she kind of wrote it like a movie. We've talked about that in earlier episodes. But while we were out there, I thought, well, what are we going to do during the day? And uh, a friend had said something about this exhibit. It might be interesting. So we popped in and it was so much fun walking around New York and lunching with Jamie Jennings and and mom and we had a great time and then we were just blown away by this exhibit and then we were even more blown away to meet Roberto there who was just sitting there quietly being an artist really um, arranging for other exhibits that he does around the world he's got roots everywhere and I think you'll hear in his heart the fascination um and addiction, maybe, that he had with these horses because he didn't set out. I'm not going to tell why, but he didn't set out to go photograph these horses on the island. He is a photographer and was award-winning, but he set out to to photograph something else and ended up being fascinated by the horses. So I was fascinated by him, and I think people, listeners will too, and I know Dad was as well. Yes. It, it, listen carefully to this because I think it – beautifully illustrates how sometimes as horse people we get in our own way the insight he has into the horse's psyche because he's not had uh 
outdated stuff put into his brain. It's a little bit like that. The clean slate horse is easier to train than the than the remedial horse. That's right. He wasn't a remedial horseman, so his insight is just fascinating. So listen carefully to the little bits and bobs of details, and I think you're going to come away with some really good takeaways that you can apply to your own horse as well as human-to-human relationships. Yeah. And we're going to get right to that after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands on Gloves. Hands on Gloves is the number one ranked multi-award winning patented animal shedding, bathing, grooming gloves that animals prefer for their generous massage that they provide. Hands on is currently expanding to bring you revolutionary new animal products as well as high quality, effective gardening gloves and tools. Hands on Gloves will change the way we tackle everyday animal and gardening activities, making those efforts faster and more effective. Whether you have a house full of cherished fur babies, a garden full of prize-worthy vegetables, a ranch of prized livestock, or the best rose garden in town, Hands-On Gloves provides you with the tactical tools you need to get the job done right. They're non-abrasive with flexible round tips and strong nylon fabric. They make the perfect grooming gloves. Find Hands-On Gloves at your local retailers or at handsongloves.com. Far from the east coast of Canada, cast ashore or abandoned by sailors long ago, a small herd of wild horses has managed to thrive, untouched by man, in an austere, unforgiving environment that offers not a single sheltering tree and just grass and rainwater ponds for sustenance. Roberto de Tesco is a Romanian-born Canadian artist, photographer, and filmmaker. He travels and works worldwide and resides in his three homes, Montreal, New York City, and Sao Paulo, Brazil. De Tesco began his career as a fashion photographer in Montreal, Canada, and he spent the past 30 years filming the wild horses of Sable Island. Well, welcome. We have two icons, really, of um, different worlds. Roberto de Tesco is with us today, and we have Monty Roberts, who people often know him as uh, a horse gentler, um, the the gentleman who started horses for the Queen of England, and also has been working with horses now about 85 years. Is that about right, Dad? That's about right. So, Roberto, I think you told me, let's start off right away saying, I'm not a horse trainer. I'm not a horse trainer, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm an artist. I'm an artist, and I've been documenting the wild horses of Sable Island for about thirty years now. Why did you do that, Roberto? That's an amazing stat to begin with. Yeah, I mean, somebody mentioned that you've dedicated thirty years of your life to to one single project, and I said, "Did I?" And I said, "Yeah, I kind of did." And I said, "It's kind of interesting, right?" I mean, it just it, it went so fast. Uh, you know, sometimes we we meet uh, places, uh, people, uh, things, and we uh, uh, they become a magnet to us, and we become a magnet to them. Uh, when I discovered Sable Island, it's because uh, the Canadian Film Board did a short documentary in the early 60s. And at the time, I was shooting fashion. I come from the fashion background, uh, ad agency world. I did a lot of... Uh, wonderful, uh, racy, spicy, and sexy campaigns that uh, were publicized uh, all over the world. So uh, that's my world. And when I discovered Sable Island, 
which is a place where 500 horses, 500 shipwrecks, and 500 years of history mm-hmm. converge. I kind of, uh, uh, I was curious about it. At first, I was curious because I thought that what a perfect location to bring some uh, models in uh, in some bathing suits with these ah, wild horses. Burr. That was the original intent to, uh, to, 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 to be alone on a spectacular island with some beautiful people and come up <laughs> with some amazing campaigns. At least if you're a photographer, uh, that's what you dream of. Mm. However, when I arrived on Sable Island, something else happened to me. And uh, I realized that actually the island itself, it's not just beautiful, but uh, it's, a, it's an ecosystem that, uh, that uh, uh, it's outside interference from, from men. Mm. It took me like two and a half years to get a permission to get there. Uh-huh. And within that space of wilderness, uh, there's no... There's nothing on this island but wild horses. There's no cats, dogs, mice, foxes, nothing. It's just a sandbar in the middle of an ocean full of souls. Uh, when I arrived there, uh, I thought that I should make it my life mission to actually start documenting it for posterity. Now, I had no idea that I was going to spend so much time doing it, mm-hmm. promoting it in so many ways uh, with shows around the world. But that was the, the early beginning of, of it. The most important thing that I can say that we've done about Sable Island, that this particular doc- documentation brought attention to Sable Island, to the band of wild horses. And because of the many conversations and many shows and my relationship that I formed uh, because of the New York City Gallery, which was, has been here for like almost 30 years now, 25 years to be exact, which is one of the longest running shows in the, the city, mm-hmm. the Canadian government kind of... Uh, took notice, uh, a lot of people kind of started the conversation. Uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, we did a film titled Chasing Wild Horses that you can still see at the, I guess, on Amazon Prime or on various uh, networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that film, many people started to inquire about Sable Island and how they can get there. The end result was that the Canadian government uh, decided to declare Sable Island a national park and for the horses to be protected uh, into the future and uh, for them to have the right of way. So uh, Sable Island became a national park. It's the latest uh, national park uh, uh, that uh, was granted status by, by, by the Canadian government. And I have a small part in that conversation and that discussion. And many people here in the U.S., uh, they are encouraging me to do some similar things in regards to the wild horses in the U.S., and how we can showcase them and how we can do something extraordinary about them. Uh, because ultimately what I believe that art and beauty can actually transform conservation and uh, uh, how we look at nature in general. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I didn't know the whole arc of your story there too. I knew you committed a lot of time to this with not only larger than life photos, but also video too, which is fascinating to see the interaction with so little people, people or interference. How did the horses interact with you? Were they extremely feral and uh, wanted to stay away from you or were they actually curious about you? Well, you know, um, whatever we consider to be human emotions, actually they are universal. And uh, uh, just like uh, in any other place that you discover humans, some of them are curious about you, especially if you travel a lot. Some are engaging, some are uh, indifferent, uh, some want to know more about you. And the case of, uh, of the wild horses, I mean, 
all those emotions, they were displayed, clearly displayed in front of me. I mean, mm-hmm. as a fashion photographer, you can imagine that I, I pointed my lens towards prettier horses mm-hmm. and the ones that were smaller and scruffier, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. they were a bit jealous and then they would come closer to me and they would ah. lean on me and they would uh, uh, even uh, attempt to kind, of, uh, 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 to kind of be playful with me <laughs> in a non-violent way. They actually wanted to kind of share their 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 stories. So what I discovered about Sable Island, because of these horses, they have no fear because there's no predators. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, evolve in a very different way, and uh, 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 they are full of love, full of emotion, and full of curiosity. And they've been displaying those uh, uh, emotions over the past many years. And each time that I go there, uh, I've been there 10 times now over the past 30 years, uh, they always surprise me in various ways. Uh, on, in 2019, just before the pandemic, I went to the Sable Island, and from the distance, a, a blonde horse with a white, gigantic stripe on the nose came straight towards me. I dropped off my, my backpack, and she just kind of stared like within three feet of me, just looking at my face mm. and uh it was very much uh, a sense of uh, recognition a sense of uh, yeah. uh, uh acceptance and and uh, and an incredible uh, w- uh welcoming uh uh, uh from uh, from something that we consider to be totally wild and uh, feral in many different ways yeah. yeah yeah how much time do you get to spend when you when you go to the island I would say uh, I attempt to, do, to, to be there between uh, seven to ten days. Uh, ah, okay. uh, uh, the superintendent on the island, they have, they have to make a runway in the sand. Uh, the plane has to be granted permission. I mean, you have to get permission from various uh, governmental bodies. Uh, wow. uh, and uh, once you arrive there, you basically the plane that lands within a thousand feet uh, kind of... Uh, uh, drops you and takes off, and there you are. You wow. have to be self-sufficient. And on most occasions, uh, I'm there for that amount of time, and then the plane has to pick you up. Uh, I've been there mostly from July to September into October. I never been to Ceylon in, in winter time because, uh, to my question to Jerry Forbes at the time, the superintendent of Sable Island, like, what's the longest plane? Uh, uh, what's the longest time that the plane could not land? He said four months. So then I considered my my stay on Sable Island like four months. Yeah. And then I was contemplating whether will I be able to do that or or not. And uh, but nevertheless, I love to go there in winter time also. So wow. perhaps that's something to be explored into the future. Interesting. So how do the horses react from day one that you're there versus when you're about to leave in seven to ten days or so? Do they do they change while you're there? Do they? interact more stay away more how do they do well you have to remember that that sable island is the crescent island it's just a <laughs> sandbar and it's twice the length of manhattan and it's about the width of central park <laughs> so it's in the middle uh of uh, it's about 300 nautical miles from halifax and it's about 300 nautical miles from where the titanic went down <laughs> Uh, in order to kind of see all the sources, you have to walk everywhere. So if I decide to go to the east side of the island or to the west side of the island, I have to pack the equipment wow. and I have to yeah. walk there. So the the chances of seeing the same horse uh, 
uh-huh. every single day, it's kind of difficult, even though some of them are closer to the weather station where basically uh, I stay whenever I'm on, on Sabaland because there's no camping. You cannot yeah. just wander around and camp out because on Sabaland there's just uh, two people, and uh, you have to be respectful uh, to the rules that uh, uh, that they abide by. Yeah, so you have to mm-hmm. kind of uh, be totally present that uh, they cannot look for you. You have to be present that uh, they have other better things to to do than rescue you. This is a fascinating subject. Let's take a quick break, and we can hear more about the horses of Sable Island next. Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you. Watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just brought her first horse. Recently, I went to a tax shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm 61, just purchased my 14 hands POA the day after my birthday, just a few weeks ago, after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off, and that was it, (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this is Precious Lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly, and the article I read in it was Horses Are Biofeedback Beings, and it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it. Because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find. But truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order. Um, They have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and thanks to the videos I've done join up with him and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals. Um, The ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy. So I'd love to bring in dad because I'm now I'm so curious as to what you'd ask Monty. What would you ask of Roberto about the survival mechanism of these horses in this this isolated study of feral horses in an environment so harsh? Well, it's it's very hard for me sitting down here not knowing Sable Island uh, at all. And I was first wondering how large it is. Is it as big as Texas or is it as big as Rhode Island? 
and it's a tiny little island uh, as we view islands. And um, <clears throat> oh, I would I would love to see those horses that, to me, have grown up in um, very different fashion from the horses that we know in the rest of the world. Um, granted, they're probably still flight animals, but they don't know what to flee from because they don't have anything to flee from. But to study their their attitude, their direction, their curiosities would just be fantastic. I, I had a wonderful morning this morning with the deer that I work with. It's just a wild group of deer. They're not captured in any way, but um, they're just wild deer. And I, and I start to translate their language back to me and it's it's silly to do that because you could never prove what they're saying but i sincerely have a long list of things that i've watched that would tell you what it is likely they are saying and it, it's it's so much fun to study this kind of thing and i so thank you for your time uh out there you know, showing us a part of this earth that none of us are going to see. Millions and millions of people know nothing about that. And there's a lot of things they don't know about, but this one is so rare and uh, it's fantastic that you've done what you have. And I'm, I'm just so jealous that I, (laughs) I can't, I I know I can't, I know I can't go now. uh, uh, Not many can. Not many can, even even eighty-eight. Well, year. maybe, <laughs> maybe on my next journey. How about if I invite you to come with me, and then uh, wouldn't that be something? Uh, well, it, it would be something. Be but at, together, at eighty-nine, you teach me things that I cannot even imagine. I know. Well, that's a possibility, and you the same could teach me. What I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to come to to your place and bring you. A bunch of videos and yeah. maybe oh. you and i can have a conversation oh. in terms of what your feeling is in terms of those horses oh i i would love that i would love that and i would love you to see the deer here and to you know join with me in in estimating what they're saying and and who they are and how long i've known them and things like that i think you would find that interesting too but that would be fantastic, and um, uh, having this conversation is just really exciting. I'm I'm still a novice about uh, in the world of horses, uh, and I resist the temptation to read books about them or to know a lot of them uh, 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 what they are, what is what they mean by when their ears are up or down or left. Uh, I I tend to go there with a, as much as possible with an, uh, with curiosity and the naivety of a child. Uh, and allow them to be who they are and for me to become as small as possible, as insignificant as possible. And by doing that, I mean, practicing the, uh, the act of observation, perhaps to kind of explore something that's, uh, that, that it's hidden otherwise. I mean, uh, that's what I'm doing as a, as a photographer in general. Uh, I tend to bring beauty into people's views and to kind of encourage them to look at the world with different eyes and if we 
take the, the time to observe uh, the, the beauty that's all around us and maybe we make a decision to actually protect it. And then if you protect it, then other, all kinds of other things will happen. And my wish for the, uh, for the U.S. and the wild horses here, which basically uh, they've been instrumental in, 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 in what this country is about, is for the legislation to actually uh, 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 put laws where these wild horses are protected here in the U.S. as they're protected on Table uh, yeah. Island, and perhaps uh, for people to 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 develop a sense of kinship towards yeah. them, yeah, and just to, so to realize that they are that they are part of an integral part of our system, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're it's not just, just so outsiders. It's so fantastic to hear this. I want to ask you a question on a small item like that. What do you see that they eat? How do they stay alive? Where do they find fresh water? So uh, there's about 100 and some types of grasses. Uh, there's some snow peas, which in the wintertime, they kind of dry up and uh, uh, they munch on it. They also, uh, I've noticed that they are eating seaweed, which is quite abundant uh, on the shores. Uh, there's this brackish water uh, in the middle of the island. So it's like uh, not as uh, fresh, but not as salty either. So I've seen them munch. Uh, uh, they, they kind of dip their heads into the water and they pick up vegetation from the bottom of the lake. It's very unusual. I've never seen that anywhere else. So they yeah. can actually hold their breath for maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds while they're picking up vegetation from the bottom of the lake. I and, never knew uh, that. Yeah, when it comes down to, to, the, uh, to how they find water, the horses on the left, uh, on the east and west part of the islands where there, there's no water ponds to drink from, they've learned to go on the low uh, level of the island, which is basically kind of sea level, and to actually dig for water very much in a way that horses dig when you take them to the beach. And yeah. it's kind of extraordinary to actually see them uh, uh, dig a hole that can be a foot, a foot and a half deep, and they are waiting for the water to kind of bubble up, for the water to emerge in this hole, and for them to kind of be in a lineup and wait for one another, for each one of them to, to, to kind of have a drink. I mean, that's something that's uniquely special. It reminds me of the people in Central Park on a hot day, uh, and one single water fountain and everybody waiting for uh, yeah. for the other one to kind of have a sip. Yeah. And and that was that was incredible to actually see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I discovered, which I did not know before, that throughout the island, there's the fresh uh, layer of water that sits on top salty water. And that's yeah. basically mm-hmm. available anywhere in the world where there is sand. Because fresh yeah. water is lighter than, than salty I did water. Not know that. If you yeah. reach the water table, those first uh, inch, inch and a half uh, will always be either rainwater or uh, uh, snow or, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how they get their, their water or uh, through the vegetation, which is basically filled with uh, moisture from, from the ocean. So every yeah. morning, if you pick up a bunch of grasses and you squeeze them in your hand, there's water coming uh, uh-huh. from them. Yeah, so that's kind of, they adapted to this particular system, which is uniquely special, and they don't have any shade, no shelter, no trees, nothing. 
They've learned wow. to endure uh, severe winters, and some of them, when they are very young, they're, they're developing this uh, uh, gigantic uh, 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 fur coats that they feel like they are sheep, but they are not. <laughs> and then yeah. later on, when they are when they are uh, basically growing up to be two, three years old, they are shedding all this, and then they become uh, just like any other horse that we're accustomed to. So yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of the the, the story. Uh, just and amazing. Now in the city, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and as a Canadian, I thought, okay, uh, what can I do with this particular images to raise awareness uh, towards them? Uh, and immediately, as a fashion photographer, I uh, working in the in in the U.S. and abroad, I thought, you know, I should bring them into New York. And now in New York City, for many many years, we had this particular wild horse of stable on a gallery, and currently. Uh, uh, that's how this particular interview happened. I mean, uh, Debbie came by, and uh, uh, I was so fortunate to have met her. Uh, she walked into this gallery, and maybe you can tell the audience what you thought of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, first of all, somebody had sent me some photos ahead of our trip to New York, and the exhibit was called Larger Than Love. And I thought, wow, that's that's intriguing. It's got a beautiful photo of an oversized photo of a, of a horse. Um, beautiful, look like a wild horse. Uh, but once I started digging on your website and seeing your beautiful work, I knew it was an artist that we were dealing with here, too, who had also seen the beauty in horses that we horse appreciators see. Uh, but I had no idea until we walked into that gallery. And I was uh, fortunate enough to go with my mother, Pat Roberts, and also Jamie That's Jennings, right. who's a host of, of Horse Radio Network 2 on Horses in the Morning. And it, But the power of those photographs and the power of the bit of video that you showed too. Um, but I, I'd say it's the, the large, larger than life but larger than love, I love the play on words, uh, power of those horses is seen in such, it's a dichotomy. It's it's powerful and strong, the strength of horses, but also you caught the softness of them, the interactions, the love between them so well, Roberto. It's just beautiful. Yeah. What do those horses well, weigh? Thank you. Hmm. Well, they are somewhere between uh, 14 to 16 hands. So I oh, imagine really? it would be about 300, 300 and some kilos, I guess, uh, which I don't know in pounds how much that is, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 14 to 16, yeah, about 600 pounds, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 700 pounds, yeah. Some are wow. massive, some are not, some are totally black, and they don't mingle with any of the blondes on the east side, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of interesting on how uh, diverse the actual pack uh uh, of uh, uh, horses. Uh, uh, I mean, I've never encountered, uh, so there are about 50 bands, I'm going to call them, and there are about 500 horses, you know. Uh, it's a very diverse uh, population in various ways because all these horses, uh, they come from shipwrecks. As I mentioned before, there are about 500 shipwrecks that have happened over the past 500 years. So, uh, some people from the mainland may have brought some over the past uh, X amount of time. I mean, you have to remember that in, before the invention of the automobile and the Industrial Revolution, most of the ships that were traveling back and forth from Europe and to Europe carried horses, right? And many mm-hmm. of those shipwrecks ended up on on Sable Island. I mean, there's a famous story that uh, uh, some horses uh, were were destined to be. Uh, 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 
to to spend the rest of their life uh, in the mines of Nova Scotia, in the in the coal mines of Nova Scotia. And I thought, oh my God, what a morbid life! Uh, imagine yeah. they would have never seen a day uh, or sun ever. And then yeah. one of those shipwrecks actually ended up uh, on Sable Island. And here are all, all these horses, you know, uh, that, uh, that sometimes reminds us that, that through, through, through a tragedy like a shipwreck, uh, these particular horses have, a, uh, have survived and they have uh, what I call an incredible life. They're outside knowing of anything else. They're outside uh, knowing that the, there's a larger world out there and we have uh, uh, all kinds of other horses. And I've often dreamt about doing a film about what it is that they dream about. And uh, uh, in my, with my 500 hours of footage that I've been doing for the past 30 years, uh, I like to kind of create a, a, a film or perhaps a series which kind of describes what I imagine that they will be dreaming about in regards to the rest of the world or the universe. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my next project right now. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. It's exciting. Well, I I should put in here right now, I know I've kept you guys a long time. I appreciate your time. But I should put in here that we have invited Roberto to bring his exhibit to the West Coast in June at the Movement. We're really excited about that. So stay tuned. Um, do you want to give us the addresses? So... So we're uh, the Wild Horse of Sable Island Gallery. We're at 315 Hudson Street uh, in New York City. It's a massive show, about 50 gigantic images. And uh, come in and uh, uh, be surprised about uh, some of them and discover uh, how wild you are. We have a foundation uh, titled I Am Wild. We believe that our business and conservation can coexist. And all that I do and what kind of what my conversations are every day are about how we can uh, be inspired uh, to protect uh, nature all around us and how fortunate we are to have uh, wild horses being part of our lives. I encourage everybody to, to, to look at the world with different eyes, to look at the bees and the trees and the blades of grass <laughs> with different eyes and, and to love it all. We are very yeah. fortunate to have such an abundant planet. Uh, and uh, uh, I've been fortunate to... Uh, uh, to, to roam with uh, with wild horses and uh, to see how extremely uh, kind and loving they are towards us. When you come to California, please bring as much footage as I can see. Yeah. It, <laughs> you've really got me hooked now. I will certainly do that. Well, thank you. Okay. Thank you okay. so much for your time, and thank you for being on Horsemanship Radio, both of you. Whisper the language of the herd Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, how can I find the patience to repeat training exercises again and again with the horses? And how do I recognize progress? Monty's answer. A strong belief in my concepts gives me the patience to repeat procedures again and again. I know that they will ultimately be successful, and once you come to that conclusion, it will be much easier for you to express the patience required in this effort. The loss of patience, particularly in nonviolent training, is counterproductive. 
I have had a lifetime to discover that losing one's patience will eventually be viewed as a mistake. It is my opinion that we should practice the art of observing our mistakes, allowing us to learn from them. It is my strong recommendation to every horse person that they learn the language equus. Once we know the instinctual pattern of the horse's brain and the way horses communicate, we are far less likely to experience a loss of patience. The dictionary of the language equus can be found in my textbook, From My Hands to Yours. A profound statement made to me in this context was, A good loser is a consistent one. We must not be good losers. This does not mean that we fall on the ground, pounding our fists, acting in an immature fashion. We must, however, feel the hurt of losing in order to be motivated to change our tactics. We should replay mental videos of the procedure in question. When we view ourselves losing patience, we should carefully note the outcome. I have found that over the decades that any time I lost my patience, my rerun of the mental video would show that my horse and I took a step backwards. Horses are forgiving individuals, and if we are quick enough to rectify our mistakes, they will soon be back on a positive track. Recognizing progress is certainly an art form, and I have to assume that each of us has some idea of what we want from our horses and thus can recognize the positive track. Learning the language and understanding the nature of the horse will fortify your confidence. These bits of knowledge will support your resolve to stay the course, watching closely for improvement that you can appropriately reward. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in February. Here we are. We start February 1 with Mountain Trail Play Day. And then 5 through 9, we have Monty's special training. That's really cool. We'll film all of that. 16 through 18, we have a horse sense and healing for our veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress. The 24th, we have a horsemanship 101. Those are really fun. It's a one day all about horses and the concepts of Monty. And then March, on March 31, we have an Easter Mountain Trail Play Day. So we'll be open on Easter doing that because that beats football games or whatever they whatever happens on Easter these days. April 1 through 16, we have the introductory course of horsemanship. So 1 through 16 of April, put that in your calendar if you're ready to go full bore into learning about horsemanship and maybe even becoming certified as an instructor like Jamie Jennings and many people all over the world are now. And then on 22 through 26, that means you've taken the intro course and you're ready for the intro exams. 20 through 26 of April are introductory exams. Dun, dun, dun. Busy place. <laughs> yeah. Flag is up farms, which is, by the way, open to the public. So if you're ever in the Solvang, California area and you want to treat yourself to a horsey outing, you can give the folks a call at Flag is Up Farms, and the phone number there is 805-688-6288, and the phone number can be found at MontyRoberts.com, your one-stop shop for all things Flag is Up, California Horse Center, and Horsemanship My, Radio. It's all there. Yeah. All in one place. It's right there on the front. There we go. Yeah. And for details about today's show, you can go to MontyRoberts.com or HorsemanshipRadio.com where you find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. And we love your feedback. Great place to give us feedback is on social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts, one with a little blue check mark. 
and on Twitter as well as Instagram. It's Monty underscore Roberts. Yeah. Are we supposed to say X now? I forgot about that. Twitter is now X. Please. I know. Twitter. I can't keep up. Okay. (laughs) Everybody. I mean, it's what? Formerly known as Twitter? (laughs) It's the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) I don't know. If it's important to you, it's X. And if it's not, it's Twitter. Okay. Many thanks to our sponsors. That is handsongloves.com. And we love Jay there. Thank you guys for all that you do. And montyrobertsuniversity.com. And thanks to a great team that we have, uh, Monty at the top of it. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.